Today, all over the world, there are thousands of Sino-Soviet intelligence agents with money to burn, looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces. Like, the structure of my life is nothing at all happening, and then several catastrophic things happening in, in one day. Um, because, like, Sunday night, find out my laptop screen is cracked. I didn't know that. So I opened it up, and it's fucked. And I'm like, uh, when did that happen? And as I was eating, one of my fucking veneers on my front teeth, like, fell off. So <laughs> both those things happened in that single instance. And um, One of your what fell off? Veneer. So, like, it's like a, it's a, it's like a crown on my tooth, on my, mm-hmm. on my front teeth. Um, cause it was cracked when I was younger. And so he just like, by your abusive father. No, by my brother, actually. Um, <laughs> there were, there were rocks in my face. Uh, yeah. and so like they, they shaved the tooth down to basically where it's just like a nub. And then they put a, like a, a porcelain, like crown over it with like yeah, cement yeah. adhesive. And that just fell off. Cause it's like, you know, apparently I didn't know this, but apparently it's like around about 10 years, the cement gets, um, you know, it starts to be able to fall off. So as I was eating my delicious soft taco, um, I felt like a, like a, like whatever. And I was like, what is it? What tastes fucked up? What's wrong with my food? And then I see my veneer just on my plate and I realized I'm tasting the decades old cement that was on it. Well, you're living uh, that nightmare where you're eating something and your teeth just start falling out of your face. It's exactly how it felt. And like, so that happens. And I instantly, panic and i like wake my girlfriend up or what when i say my girl caitlin up um wait you're recording yeah my girlfriend uh boop and um she's like calming me down and like because i'm like because i am looking in the mirror and i have like 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 i look like a hillbilly like i have like no like not like the stereotypical hillbilly right like with the the big big gaping missing tooth right i might as well put like a pickle barrel on and like started like playing a banjo or whatever right all of a sudden you're in a straw hat and overalls with a piece of like i see i see it like start to materialize on myself i'm like no no um so yeah Yeah. so I, i i just take this thing and i just put it back on and like it stays on, but it's been, uh, I'm getting tomorrow. I'm getting it like reapplied or whatever the adhesive. Um, but this whole week I've been so fucking paranoid. I keep probing it with my tongue. Like, is it still there? I know it's not on there. Like it, I know it's going to fall off eventually. I can feel it like, uh, that it's not on there fully. And, um, because it's not on there fully, like with my fucking, tooth nub is like just very sensitive and raw and shit. And I'm like, I'm about to be like, you're about to sit, watch me drink my coffee with a straw. Cause I have to like avoid it or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it was, it's been great. Um, nothing makes me feel less, uh, secure or unmoored than having my teeth be fucked up. So that's been a great feeling to have this entire week. Anyway, Yeah, Matt. So I want to start off by saying congrats, Matt, on finishing undergrad. Oh, thank you. How does it feel? Um, and what have you taken away from your college experience? Um, it feels very meh. I don't know. I, I guess it really hasn't. Cameron was like, friend of the pod, Cameron was like, hey, it's going to hit you in a couple of days. And I'm like, I don't know if it will. I think it's just 
this semester especially has been kind of uh, just one of those things where it's like you're just trying to get through it. So, um, oh yeah, especially COVID. Like this, I feel like any potential impact of like a graduation kind of is just very nullified by this situation. Or because you're not going out with a bang. It's just the whimper. It's like, yeah. oh, I turn in my assignment. That's that's it. And I mean, to be fair, like that's kind of how I felt. But I didn't graduate during COVID. You know, I graduated right before COVID. And, and something else and probably a reason why you're not super excited about it is because you're not entering like a good economy. You're like and our job prospects aren't like great. And it's sad because even before COVID, our futures looked like we were going to be worse off than our parents yeah. Just because that's the trend for the last 40 years and our generation especially has gotten the worst of it. Mm-hmm. And then you just add COVID on top of that. Yeah. And now you're just staring down the the, bar- the double barrel shotgun in your mouth, um, wondering where that next meal is going to come from. Well, yeah. Also, I mean, like, um, and Cole can kind of attest to this as well with his degree, but I got a degree that's kind of like you have to have something more with it. Yeah. So you either have like a teaching certification or you have to like go further on like to grad school, which is what I plan on doing. But, uh, you know, and, and hopefully getting a teacher certification through that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's different. Like if it, if I was like a fucking computer science major or something, it'd be kind of, it'd feel probably a lot better. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I'm finally done with this degree. And like, that's all the work I need to put in, you know, to get a bachelor's and I can get like a job in the you know, computer science sector or whatever. Yeah, but, you'd get a full-time job, like, right out of college, and companies would be begging you to work for them. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's it's a little, especially with the humanities, it's a little um, little more precarious, I guess, in terms of, like, yeah. less direction. Not necessarily less precarious. I have actually did find a study that said this, and this is actually going to be kind of shocking to a lot of people, but The Guardian, I think it was The Guardian, they did a study about degrees and in terms of like people who are who go to college who get a certain degree and whether they have a job and so we always hear this thing that like colleges and universities are moving towards stem and and stem is the only way and like a humanity degree is worthless and all this stuff and while you know most most of the time anecdotally speaking i can say that it seems to be the case statistics show that stem degrees are almost like as worthless depending on which degree you get is almost as worthless as like a humanities degree so a person it turns out that a person who gets a degree in like i think it was like political science or something has the same job prospects in their intended field of of what they want to do as a person who gets a chem, uh, a singular chemistry degree or a person who gets a math degree or statistics degree or anything like that it's about the similar, about the same job prospects. It's about similar pay as well. The only thing that they found is that computer science is actually the only STEM degree that's non-medical related, right? Like some, instead of nursing or, or respiratory therapy or whatever, computer science is the only non-medically related STEM degree that has a higher number of jobs than it does graduates. Mm. So even yeah. in math, like math has a lower number of jobs than it does recent graduates. Yeah, because when you when you talk about STEM, you know, first thing that pops up to mind is like engineers and computer science majors, which 
like usually engineers and computer science majors, like you said, find jobs again anecdotally and then backed up even by engineers. The even engineers. Even engineers. That's surprising because speaking. you would think that the demand for engineers would be there. We all know the demand for computer science majors is there. Like that's the hottest job you can get more than and one of the most lucrative. Well, there's also uh, so many different career. jobs within that bra- that broad category of computer science, right? It's yeah. not like uh, it, it's not like you go like a, a nursing degree can prepare you for like different things in nursing or, uh, um, you know, a uh, uh, math degree can prepare you for different jobs in math, but a computer science degree is kind of like a catch-all for, you know, like programmers, mm-hmm. like developers, just different things, you know? Yeah. Cause you can be, you can be in it. Um, and then all the ones you mentioned. So there's a lot of options out there. Um, you could, that's interesting. You could program like sex dolls. Like you could specialize in making the ones that are like, you know, they're like, uh, I'm just imagining a guy walking in, and be like, um, I, I hear you can like put a program in it, like it'll like talk and stuff. He's like, yeah. He goes, is there anyone you can program it to like kind of resist? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, uh, I have that- a guy, I have a, like just some CD guy who like specializes in in shit like that. It's the Animatrix that one that one short from the Animatrix yeah. where it talks yeah, about yeah. how the machines take over or whatever. Um, funny, That's, funnily I've, enough, I've watched, like, I watched the Animatrix in my Spanish class in high really? school. Yeah. Like, uh, I get my, uh, our teacher was, I assume hungover and, um, and he was just like, we're going to watch like some movies and we watch like Pan's Labyrinth. It's like, all right, that, that makes sense. That's like a Spanish movie. Right. And then like the next day he's just like, yeah, we're watching Animatrix. And I was like, Oh, maybe we're watching it in Spanish. No, just, no, just the Animatrix. Yeah. Yeah. Just there's some good, there's some good bits out of the Animatrix. Um, did you guys hear about uh cyberpunk at all? Have yeah. you guys heard about the controversy surrounding is there anything particular or just how how shitty the game has been as far as like performance on consoles and so, PCs? Yeah, so um, as you guys, as the listeners can tell, there's nothing fucking going on in terms of news. So, but we'll hear we'll in this. We'll, do, we'll talk about pop culture nerdy stuff. Um, yeah, so Cyberpunk 2077 CD Project Red issued a apology and they also issued a hey if you want your money back we'll give you your money back on cyberpunk because uh, there's a couple things that people were upset about with cyberpunk besides crunch there's a lot of crunch stuff going on that is that's i mean that hey that's a lefty thing to talk about there was a lot of there's a lot of crunch in the video game industry like water's wet right but uh there's a lot of forced overtime and and rushing and stuff and there was people were upset because cyberpunk isn't like optimized for PS4 or Xbox. It and is borderline. It is borderline unplayable. Like that's been the reviews. Like uh, IGN. So IGN. Like so, all the reviewers got PC copies. And if anything, cyberpunk seems to have been made with a PC, a high-end PC or next-gen consoles in mind. Mm-hmm. And last-gen was basically, like, at best, an afterthought. 
So well, that's the reason they pushed it back. The reason it didn't come out yes. on time was because they were still finishing the last gen port. Yeah. Um, so all the reviewers got PC copies. So they're they're reviewing them, and like the PC copies are like you know it, they they run well. They're a little buggy, glitchy, whatever, right? But it's like no worse than like anything Bethesda puts out at launch, right? But mm-hmm. uh, once these reviewers got like the the current gen, I guess soon to be last gen console versions like like ign initially gave it a nine and then they reviewed the console version ps4 xbox version and gave it a four which if if you don't know like ign's like uh if you're not in the know about their review it's it's like that's basically a zero that's like the yeah. worst game. seven is game. like seven is like a god-awful game Yes, every IGN reviewer is like a credulous rube as far as when it comes to playing video games. Like, they're all wide-eyed, like, oh, wow, like, oh, wow, gee, this game is so, you know. So every game gets borderline six and a half, seven. Um, every game gets a, a score within that sort of uh, uh, range. So to get below that, it's, like, it's pretty special. And they, they and if that. you're a, if you're an annual release, like a COD, a FIFA, or Madden, you're guaranteed a nine. The, the, like, I, so I, Josh, you would appreciate this. I deep dive, real quick tangent, I deep dive into, like, like um, people who play, who, like, really like football simulator games, like, like going in on how Madden sucks as a football simulation game <laughs> and how... Like a guy talked about how like the iterations of Madden, how like the last great, actually great Madden game with like it's like 2007 deep, or 2008, right? Yeah, yeah, with like deep features, customization, all the fun shit you would want with a football game. Um, they have not been in the game since 2008. It's been over and, a decade. Yes, but that does not stop every single Madden up to this point receiving reviews like from IGN saying this is the best one yet. Like this is the best one yet. It's always even the if best it's one even if it's just a roster update. Even, yeah, even if it's dog shit, which like, like you know, jo- I remember Josh, you telling me like I'm not playing Madden anymore. Like this is it broke like, me. It absolutely broke me. Yes, it's not fun. It's like there are it. It doesn't like if you know how to play football, you're worse at that game than if you don't know because it doesn't because <laughs> you will assume that like this play will work. Say how, how about like uh, throwing the ball at a trajectory that makes sense, but the game doesn't see it that way. So you will play worse than you will call a play thinking ah my, ah my blocking scheme, the way the defense is set up, it will work. And then the Madden AI will be like, oh this guard's pulling. Well, he's actually literally going to sprint to the sideline, uh, not block anyone because they don't have that shit programmed in. Like games from I I play NCAA 14. This is a seven-year-old game. The run blocking in that game is better than any Madden game currently. Like, the downfield blocking in that game is way better than in Madden. Like, it's just, you know, anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah, and that was an Xbox 360 game. Yes. I mean, that's okay. I I have, like, tangents galore, because I I have, uh, I I did forget, I had two things that I did want to talk about, actually, today. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was very beautiful, and it, it graced the timeline um, at the beginning of the month, and I forgot to talk about it on any of the episodes. But So this person tweeted out, and it said, Learn today about the time a guy brought a 2,222-card Yu-Gi-Oh deck to a national tournament to demonstrate why the game needed a deck size limit. So 
friend of the pod, Lee, sends over. He says, I've actually heard about this. I saw this document, like not, it's like a mini documentary on it. It's like 10 minutes long or whatever, right? And it's like this Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTuber or something's like, hey, let me tell you about this time this happened, right? So these guys come, it's incredible. This is absolutely incredible. So Yu-Gi-Oh! apparently is a card game, right? Like, uh, uh, whatever, nerd shit, whatever. But it, uh, it doesn't have a, it didn't have a maximum deck size limit, right? It had a minimum. You could only have, you could, you could have minimum 40 cards, but they didn't have a maximum. It was like, you can have whatever. And there's people who had like different, you know, sizes and stuff. And, and so these people in Germany, these two guys dressed up like the blues brothers. And yes, it's as cringe as it sounds, but this, this part's pretty awesome. They dressed up as the blues brothers and they brought in a, 2,222 card Yu-Gi-Oh deck where every other card was a search your deck for this card and then shuffle. So Yu-Gi-Oh has a rule that if you search your deck for a card, then you have to shuffle afterwards. And the deck eventually got disqualified because the referees didn't know how to shuffle it because it was so big. (laughs) That's incredible. the, The picture... The picture of them carrying it in is so great because it's like they're carrying a sarcophagi. Like, yeah. They're, they're, it's like they're, they're pallbearers. Like, we're killing Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> we're bringing this in, and it's done after this. But, yeah, it's um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a, a deep cut. Like, it's it's still going, right? I asked, yeah. like, old asshole. It, that's, so what, thing. that's still what, a thing. What's interesting, like, completely... I mean, this will kind of tie into, um, I mean, a, a, a lefty type analysis of Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah, um, let's hear it, let's hear it. Okay, so card games, what they do, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of card games. I, I actually don't like them. I used to like them when I was younger, but um, yeah, not a huge fan of like trading card games. But uh, so what like Magic and Pokemon do as a trading card game is that they have these things that are set in place where they have like, um, I don't know how to, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a, a, a set or whatever. So like each year they come out with like sets, right? Yeah. 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 The, um, and there's, yeah, they'll be like, yeah. And so what, what those games will do to promote you to buy more cards is that they will have like okay? Well, this tournament on, can on, you can only play the twenty seventeen to twenty twenty sets, right? Yes. Because the rules change and cards change and everything. So what you have to do is to you have to buy more cards and to become competitive at the game. You know, Magic the Gathering. It, it, to be competitive, you have to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars a deck. You really do. I, um, real. I, I will inject a bit of like my experience with Magic, like. Um, I, me, like, I don't, Josh, I don't know if you were in, you probably, I think it was me, Wesley, my brother, my friend Wesley and I, um, were going to like get into magic. We were going to like one summer, like we bought a few decks played. It was really fun. And it's like, all right, well, like local game nights, let's see, let's look those up. And then Matt, like, like you were saying, I looked up and it's like most tournaments use like this set of rules, which mandates you have to use like, um, like sets from like the these years, right? More recent. I think they're called standard. I think that's what it's yes. called. It's called standard. Um, 
And there's like another, there's other types, one where it's like, it doesn't matter. You can use whatever sets you want, right? Which right. is common. And then just, yeah, variations on that. So I was like, well, okay, that kind of, that kind of sucks and is lame, but whatever, you know, I can stick to that. And then like my brother was, cause my brother used to literally be like a card trafficker. He would like procure rare magic cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards and go to conventions and sell them. And I'm not joking. This is what he used to do in like high school or shit. Like he'd come, he'd go one weekend, he'd come back with like a couple hundred bucks. Like my parents, they, like he was like, don't tell mom and dad. Cause they're like, they'll be weird about it. So anyway, he used to do that. And he would tell me, like he was telling us like, Oh, you guys are this, these are really cute decks, but like these would get annihilated. Like you guys, like the the meta in these tournaments is like way different than that, and I was like, whatever, piss off, you're you're you don't know what you're talking about. And then he's like, okay, and then he he buys a deck, right, a current strategy deck, like a it was like a it's one of the one of the manas is like green forest or whatever, right? So it was built around those types of cards. And he comes in and he's like, all right, I've got this deck, and this one was this is on the cheaper side. This is a cheaper side tournament deck you would see, right? Yeah, and he plays it fucking kills us like we sit i sit down there i've got oh my grand strats let's go i'm three turns i'm like what the fuck he's like yeah this is how this is the type of decks you have to have so i was like well i guess i'm just not going to do this now yeah so that's the biggest thing about like the the tournaments and stuff is you have to spend money to it's literally pay to win right like that's the thing i always talk about with card games is pay to win and um the same thing so the people who make magic is called Wizards of the Coast, right? So they make yes. three three big things, right? They make Magic the Gathering, they make Dungeons and Dragons, and they also, which I think magic is something to do with Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, they make Dungeons and Dragons, and then they also make uh, the Pokemon trading card game, right? Really? So that's interesting. Wizards, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Pokemon use energy just like magic uses mana, right? So that's kind of like they play very similar. So Pokemon's a little different because Pokemon you can kind of cruise by on like a couple hundred dollar deck or whatever. But like Pokemon's the same way. It's a what they call standard, which is like, okay, these cards were released in 2020. You can only use the 2020 cards, right? Yu-Gi-Oh! So this is my whole grand thing about Yu-Gi-Oh!, right? So I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! I didn't I never played like competitively, but me and a couple of buddies would play. And it was a it's really it, it is it's a fun, you know, if you're not like fucking autistic with uh about like chess or something with the queen's gambit right like you could be you could be autistic about Yu-Gi-Oh. so me and me and the boys would autism it up like on friday nights and we'd play Yu-Gi-Oh. right the like thing about, a group that is like like deathly silent um except for when people like it, it's just like it's like there's no social cues to miss because no one is making any is making any right you're staring cues. at the cards in your hand yeah so so anyway uh, we never went to like any tournaments or anything, but we started playing Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like a recreational thing. But the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh is that like Yu-Gi-Oh started using are... drugs. Like, yeah. yeah, we never did any of the hard <laughs> stuff, but you know, from time to time, we pop some heroin. Like, recreational. You know, like the original series, like the, the show, was kind of like a gateway drug. You know, like it just gets you hooked, and then before you know it, you know, you're just it's just one more one more pack, man. Just just one like you're kind of panhandling. You're like, come on, just 325 is all I need for another pack. Well, okay, so here's the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh, right? So Yu-Gi-Oh has no standard. It doesn't have a standard. You can use any card made. As long as, long as it's not banned, you can use any card that's ever been made, right? So yeah. there, there, are, there are rules against individual cards, and there's like, okay, you can only have this many cards in your deck. You can only have whatever. So there's rules that limit it. 
but there's no standard. But what they do with Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, is even more insidious than what they do with Magic or Pokemon. Because not having a standard means, oh, I could take my Yugi deck that I first bought in like 95 or whatever and use it in a tournament. But what they do is they increase the the power of the cards gradually to where the best cards are the newest cards and the oh, worst yeah. cards are the older cards. Wait, what? No, yeah. this is true, yeah. So like, what it will do is what, what happens is they, they realize that there was a certain amount of time where they're like, okay, like a... So Yu-Gi-Oh cards have like attack and defense power or whatever, and like it, you know that that yeah. matter you're like attacking and defending and all this stuff. So what they realize is that if you increase these, um, what they call like chain effects, which are like, so, so the, the 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 chain effects, like it's easier to use chain effects the more time Yu-Gi-Oh goes on. So it's shit like they created these things called like synchro monsters. I remember this like when I when we were getting back into it, and these synchro monsters are like really powerful things that are really easy to summon. So like you could have a blue eyes, white dragon, which was like the most powerful card back yeah, when we were just kids. thinking of that as an example, or you could have a 4,000 attack and defense level thing that you summon like in the first turn. Yeah. So, like, like blue eyes, white dragon was like in the show, like, and it's like, like 3000 attack, like would get the floor, like wipe the floor with it now, like with a, a, a an entry level card yeah so that's how they uh, that's the most insidious thing and that's how these companies make um make a lot of money through trading card games is that they they make you invest they literally make you invest in new cards so one i feel like one company you know wizards of the coast is more like up front but granted uh yukio is actually a cheaper game to be competitive in i've heard so like uh, a low-end competitive Yu-Gi-Oh deck is probably like three hundred bucks, and a high end's probably like eight hundred bucks. But like, if if you're not spending still, a grand or two yeah, on, yeah. on Magic, then you're not even in the fucking you're not even in the conversation. It's like that's it, tragic. Yeah, it turns like everything gets turned into. I feel like with most sports, it's that way too. Like, there's always this buy-in to it. Um, and it's like, yeah, like, I don't know, t- turning, like, card games into that is, like... Well, something something that's insidious about it is that the reason... And, and, and uh, Low Society Pod actually kind of uh, touched on this briefly. Um, the reason that people will do these types of recreational activities, right, is because it is, even regardless of, like, how autistic it is or whatever, it is a sense of community, Right. right, like it's just like because we don't have very strong bonds and very strong sense of community anymore. Because like we're we live in a pretty secular society, so we don't. I mean, even if you go to church, it's still not like a, as as an important cultural artifact in our culture as it was, you know, even way back in the day. You know, it's yeah. not like this this experience where everyone in the town meets in the church and and you know we all mingle and stuff it's it doesn't happen anymore like that it's kind of like you go to church you leave you're like oh god i don't want to talk to these people i don't like them right it's very um it's very christopher lash like culture of narcissism but uh yeah yeah, so i mean these sense of communities are uh they're invaded by capitalism in a way that uh it it's you know it forces you if you want to be part of like the in community if you don't want to be like a 
like there's probably nothing worse than going to like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament and then someone calling you a fuck like a 12 year old calling you a fucking loser for playing a, a certain <laughs> deck right like oh you didn't yeah. spend 800 dollars to play this deck you're a fucking loser it's like yeah. oh the, my only sense of community like they're ostracizing me because i am a loser i mean yeah just having like some 14 year old ether you because he's got like the like the most I honestly feel like with Yu-Gi-Oh, like the card design is like from when I was last into it to now, it's like all like way more over the top than I remember. Maybe I'm just like I'm just, you know, misremembering, but it's like compare like a first run uh like summon skull card to anything now is like just it's just way more crowded. I it would any and but I may be like um I may be nitpicking, but, um, did you also, uh, again, like it's just nothing but tangents on tangents, but did, did you, okay. Did you guys know that there's a, a Pepe documentary? No, yeah. I was not aware of this. Um, Chapo talked to, who did they talk to? I think the QAnon anonymous podcast, uh, not true and on QAnon anonymous talked to like the guys who made it. And then they talked to, and then Chapo talked to the guys who made it too. So I, I listened to at least two iterations of them talking about the the documentary. So now, now I don't. I don't I've never. Seen, I haven't seen the documentary. But is it where they talk about how the? Do they interview the guy who created Pepe? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, how I can't, he I can't like, has nothing to do with the alt right. Yeah, so the the reason I kind of bring this up in with regards to trading cards is that they're in the documentary they talk about how there's a whole economy based around oh, yeah. there's like these rare pepes that people buy. They're like people make them and it's kind of like Bitcoin. It was like a Bitcoin for a minute. So it was a digital currency where you had rare pepes and it was called like Keck dollars or something. And something so like, Yeah. Yeah. So this guy actually became like a multi-millionaire off of like he bought this this rare Pepe, this Homer Simpson Pepe, for like one hundred and sixty thousand oh, yeah, dollars. Like, yeah. And then he just like sells it for like a few. He's like, this is the most rare Pepe ever, and he sells it. And he buys this fucking Lamborghini, and he's got like a penthouse and shit. It's fun. They're like Pepe trading cards, is what it is That's essentially. Tough. It's the way to, uh, yeah. And so um, the I do have to say the Pepe documentary, incredibly well done documentary, first off. Uh, I yeah. don't usually enjoy documentaries that much, but the Pepe one really gripped me. And I just felt so bad. Like, okay, first off, like a lot of the, the memes with Pepe, like people who talk about Pepe as being like a Nazi figure or whatever, right? A, a lot of it's overblown, right? Yeah. Then you have... But then you have like, okay, there's like at like alt-right rallies or like Nazi rallies, you have like the Kekistan flag and all this stuff. Um, but it's interesting to see how like a meme grows from this like, this guy creates this cartoon frog and he's like kind of innocent. He's kind of like a, just a dude bro college guy. He's like the innocent one in that circle. Yeah. And then these people just kind of like meme him to death. So he becomes like the face of the internet almost like this little cute frog guy. And then you have uh, people using him as reactions because they've been, you know, on the internet forever. And uh, what happens is you have like this, uh, 
and, and that's like Angela Nagel's book, uh, Kill All Normies, actually has a frog on the cover just for this like specific reason. She actually talks about that. She has like you have this rise of these, you know, quote unquote like blue haired like SJW people on like Tumblr, and they start calling out everybody and whatever, and then people will respond in these um, very uh, intense ways because they think that their spaces are being invaded. So like when women start the documentary talked about it. When women start using Pepe, you start seeing a lot of violent Pepe's propping up and being like, fuck off normies re, you know, like, oh, I'm autistic. I'm going to screech and, and show, you know, a picture of, uh, a Pepe as like, a as a SS guard or whatever, just to piss off these Tumblr people. So they stop using him. Um, it's incredibly, it's an incredibly fascinating documentary feel incredibly bad for the original creator matt he's just like poor guy like loves drawing frogs he seems like a really nice guy and stuff and then he's just like i don't condone any of these people who are using it and then when people started saying that okay so they do you guys know who eggman is like from sonic not, not from sonic from the internet do you guys know who eggman is no i don't think so i Okay, so I was watching this documentary, and I have to say, a little too online, I was like, oh my god, they got fucking Eggman, right? <laughs> Eggman is this guy, he's like the the stereotypical incel. So there's okay. so there's a couple of guys who are like the, the quote-unquote, like if you look at them, they're like the incel guys. And there's Black Ops 2 Cell, I think is his name. He's that like brawny kid you see a lot. And then there's Eggman, and Eggman is this guy who, like, he, he made, like, a video. He got famous for making, like, a video about how Elliot Rogers had, like, courage or whatever. He's, like, smoking, a like, a cigarette in his car, and he's talking about how Elliot Rogers had, like, courage. And he's, like, ship, he's a ship poster, right? That's the big okay. thing about him. So he's a, Reddit, he's a famous Redditor. <laughs> they call him Eggman because he's got, like, a big head. <laughs> you know, it's really mean, but whatever. Um, but they had him on there and he's explaining how this meme gets created and then they get upset that normies are using it and they start like making Pepe violent and start making him like a yes. Nazi and stuff. And then the big, he said the, the thing that changed like the world was when they figured out that there is an Egyptian uh, frog God named Keck. And he's mm -hmm. like, and that's what like Keck came into being. And, and, uh, he said that also what happened was there's this, there's a couple videos where frogs when they like when they yell they they sound like they're yelling re right well yeah there's that specific there's a specific frog that um, is very uh, territorial and if like it'll like very very distinct it's like um if you see like those it is Wednesday my dudes like meme right yeah. of the frog that's the frog. Right. It, it, and it's like, um, yeah, it's become like its own thing because of its sort of like, re, like, like it's, re, you know, scream or whatever. Yeah. So he said that, like, you know, it's a, the frog screaming has kind of so Pepe kind of represents this like inner angst or whatever. This like uh, this inner angst that becomes like this jovial frog or even sometimes a depressed frog or whatever. And then like Wojak, like are like two sides of the same coin. So Pepe becomes yeah. like jovial frog or whatever. And then Wojak becomes like the existential dread that you feel. <laughs> <laughs>
it's a, yeah and i was like damn that's so true like pepe's this like fun cartoon frog that's like oh look at me i'm a lovable goofball who's like autistic and screeches and whatever you know and then rojack is this you know uh feels feels bad man mm-hmm. <laughs> thing so. yeah the um so from what i um from those interviews with the the documentary creators what they some of the things they talked about um like Matt, I'm sure. I mean, you know, but just um, what struck me was that, like, it's like like this guy having his sort of creation taken from him, the way that a lot of things on the internet are taken, um, and that it starts with with its original creator and intention, and then it is replicated over and over and over again until it like no longer resembles itself. But the big thing is is that first that guy does not receive compensation like for like Pepe being used that way. Like he doesn't really see any, despite the fact that it's like almost at this point, like a, an entire, um, like the face of something, it, he gets nothing from it. Um, and second of all, like it's been Pepe, like was, um, you know, uh, I feel like around 2016 is when it got like, because of all like the MAGA chuds, you know, uh, the very online, portion of the of the of the chud fan base using pepe too like even i think didn't even hillary bring up like of like pepe like the frog or whatever yeah um, so in the yeah. documentary this is what's fascinating in the documentary they talk about how pepe is this frog that's kind of used and like you know as a reaction stuff and then what happens is donald trump comes in and people are like you know he said if you look at what happens uh during the election during the 2016 election donald trump they don't really like follow donald trump they're not really like yeah let's vote for donald trump they're just kind of like what do you think about this guy oh he's a fucking idiot right yes and they're like say stuff like this and then what happens is um they get grouped in with the trumpers Mm -hmm. hillary groups them with the trumpers and then they start like making fun of hillary with pepe and then they start memeing Pepe with Trump. So they start combining Trump and Pepe. And um, then eventually it became, went from like this kind of ironic thing, you know, to where, uh, where Hillary Clinton's like, Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, these people who are like terminally online or, or, you know, she starts attacking them. And the documentary was like, I forgot who it was, but one of the guys in the interview was like, yeah, Hillary Clinton made the mistake of like, you know, kind of attacking them, and then they like attack back because they they're territorial, right? They don't like you know mean old white woman invading their spaces, so they attack back with like let's vote for Donald Trump and all this stuff. And what's the most fascinating thing about the documentary, in my opinion, uh, because I've been getting um, you know call me stupid or whatever, but recently uh, because of like one of my group chats, I've been kind of getting more into like spiritualism and stuff and, and seeing like how different things are affecting and, you know, whatever. I, let's just say, suffice to say, I'm not as like atheistic agnostic as I was, but, um, one of the things that's fascinating is they have this guy on there. He's a, um, I can't remember his name, but he's a, a famous dude. He, he talks about like magic and stuff. He, he kind of talks about it in the same way that, um, What's his name? Alan Moore talks about magic. Okay. How magic, kind of like this. Alan Moore kind of says that magic is this, uh, it's like a desire, right? It's like kind of like energy made manifest. Like he says that writing is magic, 
where he talks about how like writing is a form of magic and how like actually if you write something down it like actually is a magical thing and all this stuff um and so this guy's talking about it he's talked about like this this idea of meme magic and meme magic is this uh where all these pepe guys started getting together and they're like let's let's start wishing hillary clinton to to like die right and they start wishing her to die and they kind of like they kind of do all this like you know as some of them are doing as a joke some are doing it seriously and then what happens is she falls remember when she fell she like passed out and they had to help her in the car yeah the 9-11 yeah thing and they had to help her into her car well that was after they wished her to die and they were like oh my god it's working so (laughs) great timing (laughs) yeah what were you going to say, Cole? You were going to say something, and then I was just rambling on about magic. Oh, what thing was doing? Oh, I was just going to say about um, the sort of like it being a symbol that's been taken away from its creator. Um, is that, yeah, so like 2016, like Pepe gets is, I feel like this is when you have like, you know, quote unquote normie types start to, um, you know, be aware of Pepe as a thing. And sort of cementing it in like as a, a hate symbol, quote unquote, right? Um, and then I think that's the same year that the ADL, the Anti Defamation League, labels um, or officially labels Pepe as a hate symbol, right? Which mm-hmm. um, the ADL's like, uh, you know, like does like you know, it's it is ultimately like a kind of like very pro-Israel type thing, but it does sort of carry some like. Um, as far as like recognizing people or uh, I'm trying to say like, uh, like it's a mixed bags kind of, but it is very pro Israel and like being like anti like criticizing Israel can get you put on their little list or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, that happens to him uh, and he is sort of like, so like that's pretty damaging. I, I feel like to him and his work and he's tried to lobby them like personally to be like, Look, I made Pepe. Um, I have no control over like these people using it this way, but it's not a hate symbol. And they're just like, uh, we don't care. Um, we have final say. We have, uh, you know, Netanyahu has has decided it is this um, it is this way, and uh, you know, deal with it. So Bank of America has decided. <laughs> <laughs> No one, no one wants the art that they've created to follow their hands and become a hate symbol. Like that's that's a, such a nightmarish scenario. Is that you create something, you put it out there innocuously with no ill will, um, and it becomes, you know, used for for it hurts people in some way, I guess. And then and then just to have it, I mean, that's like the nail in the coffin to have the defamation league. Like I get what you're saying, Cole, like it carries weight. It has, it, 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 it makes a lot of bad statements, but then it, it carries weight in people's minds. Like to your average person, if you, if you hear that it's a hate symbol, then then that cements it in your mind. There's no nuance. The nuance dies when that happens. Yeah. Um, But to, to have your creation just, uh, become an all right symbol, you know. Um, it's not it, unlike the not. I mean, it's not unlike the Nazis adopting the swastika from the Hindu faith. Well, I, Josh, I would actually go further and say it is exactly the same. Um, I would. 
<laughs> I was trying to exaggerate that. Uh, <laughs> Alex Green, uh, you know, is that his name? Alex Green, the creator of Pepe. Um, we, Fury, one could say yeah. is akin uh, to the Buddha in this case. <laughs> his his teachings taken from him. Um, he does seem very zen. That was the coolest thing about him. He was like very relaxed and kind of like, I don't mm. want my. Right, Pepe, you know, he's like, at the, the beginning of the documentary, he's just like, I've always loved drawing frogs. I don't know, I just love them. <laughs> like, it's so funny. It's such a funny, like, he's such a chill guy. Matt Fury is the guy who did. Yeah, we corrected, you. we corrected you in real time. You were just talking so you couldn't hear us. Oh, really? Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's akin to, yeah, to all these things. Um yeah, um, I feel like Pepe's been is <laughs> as as much as we can talk about these sorts of things uh, as being rehabilitated. As far as like it being, I feel I like mean, it, I, I don't. I think people blew it out of proportion. Like I think that was the biggest thing is that like you have these like terminally online people who fucking post Pepe as a Nazi, like like gassing people or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you have Pepe like the cute reaction to where if. The, the cute reaction Pepe is, and then it just became like all of Pepe. Every everybody who uses a frog is like definitely a Nazi, right. and then it, it became so bad to where like so Pepe was used as the right symbol for a while, and then what happened was the left started adopting like like quote unquote leftists, right? Like the fucking anarchities and shit started adopting. Um, Fucking, what's that dude's name? The the fucking Flyers mascot. Oh, Gritty. Gritty. And then, like, all the people who, you know, weren't fucking retarded were like, hey, we're going to adopt, um, they started adopting Groiper, which is a, it's a, it's Pepe, but he's, like, fatter, I guess. I don't know how to describe Groiper, really. If you type in Groiper, you can kind of, like, find Yeah, you'll get the idea, yeah. Yeah, but he, uh, they started adopting, like, Groiper and Apu, and then, so, now it's just like people who use Pepe are just like Twitter people. <laughs> like basically like all the, all the Redditors and shit just kind of moved oh, yeah. on. From, like you still have like the ironic, like right people who will use like a, a picture of Pepe in an SS uniform gassing like that, <laughs> that, that like, super racist caricature of the Jewish guy. <laughs> yeah. No, what's funny about that too gassing is Laura that, Loomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, What's funny about that is that those those like very terming online like portion of that of like the Chud right wing people like they are like there's videos of this too of them sort of interacting with like you know whatever three percenters or like these other right wing militia groups in real life and it goes about as well as you expect where they're just like like they despise them like these people who like you know, whatever, think of themselves as, like, actually, like, patriots with, like, machine guns willing to defend the Constitution. And some, like, pencil-necked 17-year-old with, like, a picture of, of Pepe as, as, like, Hitler comes up. Like, guys, they're just like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, there's videos. Check, yeah. Check, check, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we're fighting for Kekistan, guys. They're like, we're going to, like, air hole you. Like, get out, like, get out of our group. We're like, this is what the white race is coming to <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. No, like they, it's this inter, like, like this, this, like, like, it's like the fucking, the German, like, it's like, it's like the Nazis, like, hating, like, the ethnic Germans in the Ukraine. Like, they just, they just viewed them as, like, you're such a shitty representation of our people, you know? Like, we can't even rehabilitate you at this point. Like, they're like, like, 
if if like whatever, so like those like fucking meatheads and the three percenters got their way, like the people who would be thrown against the wall are like these groipers. Are these Pepe types? Like they're like we're not gonna we're not gonna let you like breed, but we're also you know you're not gonna be like a mouthpiece for us. So you know, there's a lot of like I feel like um, also there's there's guys um, kind of utilize the uh, terminally online people who kind of do like irony their irony poison and then kind of like uh, you know feel alienated or whatever. And there's a whole part of it where they talk about in the documentary how Donald Trump kind of he's really good at mobilizing those guys, right? Oh, yeah. Well, in 2016, he was good at mobilizing those guys. Yes. Not so much now, because those guys are just fucking, you know, they're so irony poison that they cycles yeah, around. Yeah. Who's, you know, they're, too busy, they're too busy, like, with QAnon and just imagining a secret war going on. Like, they're, they're too busy texting each other about how, like, a bunker in Maine got destroyed and, like, 50,000 Chinese soldiers died. Like, that's what they're doing now. Like, they got so, like, you know, whatever, pilled that they're like, um, we don't have to vote because we're, we're, we're doing, like, the, the real work of defending Trump in America uh, online. So. Yeah, I, um, it was a fascinating documentary. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, it, again, just feel terrible <laughs> for the guy. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's kind of like a what did you expect type thing. Like, I mean, it's it's um, you know, when you when you lump people in, when people use a fucking frog reaction, and you guys and and like people are like, oh no, you're like a literal Nazi. Like, you're gonna have pushback from the people who use it, right? They're gonna feel. Because these guys are already like, or these people are already like alienated, you know, and you have pro- these- yeah, these are people I feel like who are prone, um, especially like if we're talking about folks who like sort of emerge at like Gamergate type stuff, they're prone to this sort of reactionary mindset and these like little spaces they have online. That's really what they've got as far as like a, whatever, like a space where they feel welcome. And then if they're, yeah, so, like, when you target, like, especially with, like, a sort of, like, politician like Hillary Clinton, like, which I'm not laying it entirely at her feet. Like, this is, like, uh, was an ongoing process. This is just something we can point to is, like, you know, here's, like, a, a significant event. But when someone like that speaks, like, to their groups, right, then they're, like, feel like, yeah, you're trying to, like, invade this sort of only space I have. So, you know, we're going to like try to wall it off as much as possible, which means falling into like, what do normally hate? They hate Nazis. They hate Trump, whatever. Yeah. And also it's, it it becomes this like cyclical thing. I mean, like, I mean, guys breed fucking kill all normies. Like I keep telling everyone that it's it's a great, it's a great, terribly written book. Great content. (laughs) You definitely needed an editor. It's what I was going to say. I, I found a couple of like, oh, I probably like I've edited papers. That <laughs> anyway, long story long. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great deep dive into this kind of like, knee, like knee jerk reaction that happens when you have these like, and this is what I kind of say. I, I tell, I was talking to friend of the pod Lee about this over Thanksgiving, reading incel subreddits or whatever. It seems weird because you go, okay, well, this is kind of like an insular community or whatever. But then what's even weirder to me is you have people who break through that, like, insulation just to come in and call people names and call them pathetic and call them losers. And then they leave again. 
right? So you have these people who kind of like invade these, like, I hate to use this word, but quote unquote safe spaces for certain yeah. people. So like if you go on an incel subreddit, right? Like r slash uh, incels without hate, right? It's a subreddit that's still up. And it's a, you know, it's an incel subreddit that's like, you can't talk about violence, right? You can't, you, you have to promote, like, you could just talk about being an incel, but you can't be like, you know, kill all women or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So what will happen is you have these women who will come into that space. It's a fucking incel subreddit. Like, what are you expecting? You, you have these women who come into that space and go, oh, well, like, you guys are just fucking losers. Just, like, stop eating fast food, work out, get, like, a get like a real job, be a fucking man, and then maybe you'll get pussy or whatever, right? And it's, like, why are you guys, like, attacking them in their own, like, space? Because they have this, like, set-up corner that's called r slash incels without hate. Yeah. And you're not expecting incels there. So the, the thing about it is what happened especially with the, in, in the Pepe doc and like with the whole Pepe phenomenon is you have these guys who are terminally online who can never get fucking girlfriends. And you have these, you have these fucking like chicks who go online who are like quote unquote normies who are perceived at, at the very least to have, have led an easier life than the fucking five foot seven manlet who's on the other end of posting the Pepe <laughs> games, right? You have these like gorgeous chicks who come in who just like face talk and are like, oh my God, you know, buy my fucking gamer bathwater or whatever. And then they come in and they go, they call these guys losers. And then obviously they're going to fucking react. And they say, okay, well, like these guys, these people, these guys, these, these people, these normies are calling me a loser and they're, yeah. they're coming to this only space that I have. They're like invading it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to become violent towards them. But who are they? They're the blue-haired, like middle upper middle class SJW college educated liberal arts women, right? Right. Adjectives on adjectives, you know. Like, right. So you kind of you kind of go, okay, who are they? They're the establishment politicians. They're they're like these like uh, uh, lesbians who go on college campus and talk about how they should be able to have thirty abortions. You know, type stuff like right. It's like this this real people archetypal, this archetypal ideal of like who these yeah. people are, who are invading your space, and then there's this knee jerk reaction of we okay, we're automatically against these people because they're the problem, right? Because yeah. these are the people who are coming into my space telling me I'm a loser. Yeah, which, which it's none like, of, of course is- they had that fucking reaction. <laughs> Like, yeah. it, like fucking water is wet. Of course, he would have that type of reaction. Which none of this is to say, like, uh, uh, like excuses, like the mindset. It's just, it's this is the this is the psychology going into it, and the the way to like reach people like this isn't to like. It's like, um, it, like what's gonna make people band together more if you kick in like the door to their like where they're all gathered and like come in and like shout at them like they're inherently going to like want to like be like okay well like i i may even recognize that what i'm doing here isn't healthy for me i may even recognize that i need to get out of this mindset at one point but also fuck you you know so like you sort of you can like people can drive deeper into that like purely out of like spite um so like the um, the real question is is like getting is 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 reaching out or or like fixing the conditions that produce people like that uh, and like you know trying to have like 
you know, interpersonally like a way to fix that than just, you know, cause it, it is like this, like snake eating its own tail. Like people like, um, but it, you know, it's also like, I don't, I don't necessarily blame like, like women who like, like who have these feelings. Cause it's like, you can only have like, like I, like you, you, you know, you encounter like all this shit in your real life and online, all this sort of toxicity. And then like, it's hard, I would imagine to like, then turn around and be like, well, let me think of like the psychology of these guys. Right. It's, it's I, like, I feel like it's also a knee jerk to be like, fuck, fuck you. You are a loser. Um, so it, it does just, uh, but it, uh, it all just, again, creates like an Ouroboros of like this cyclical, uh, uh, you know, function. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's very interesting because you, you see this like, um, like you said, it's, it's very cyclical. You see this cycle play out because what happens is, I, honestly, the internet is, I've come to this conclusion, and uh, I, I mean, pr- people probably come to this conclusion before me. I'm just fucking stupid, so forgive me if they have. But I think, I mean, the internet is like high school, right? Like, it's, it's very much like a popularity contest. Right, it's a like, series of tubes. Huh? <laughs> I said it's a series of tubes. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> It's the thing where it's like this a popularity contest where you 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 have to pass the right test, you have to say the right things or whatever, and you have to know the right people to like become popular on certain like substratas of the internet, like just certain little spheres. And um, what happens is, you know, the internet was kind of known for a long time as like a boys' club. Like, you know, there was like the rules of the internet. One of the rules of the internet is there's no girls on the internet. It's all guys, right? That yes. was one of the, one of the unwritten, one of the written rules of the internet, actually. Like, I can't remember what it is, but it's rule number or something. And it's like, there are no yeah. girls on the internet, only guys. And that's something that like guys have kind of had for a long time has been like, okay, well, we're on the internet, we're chilling, we're whatever. So you have these guys who their entire, their entire reality their entire mindset their entire community is on the internet and they have this little insular community where they want to talk and vent their bitch or whatever and then you know you have like i said this perceived invasion of that community uh, of like okay well this this was where we were the cool kids and then they're no longer the cool kids on the internet because what happens you have and this is also what i said is like and and you know, Lord forgive me, you know, 35 Hails Marys for saying this, but like the internet is so fucking, okay. We're such a sexless society now in terms of like, it's so weird. We're, we're the most hypersexualized like society in terms of certain things, but we're the most sexless in other things. Right. So why I always talk about like, I talk to people and I have to explain this view in depth and I've explained it on the pod before, but like the sexual revolution Right. I have this very big, like this big, big, you know, to do about the sexual revolution. And and I I won't get into it here. But the thing is, like, the Internet is so preoccupied with sex in that you have either these guys who say, I never have sex. Fuck me and fuck women for not giving me sex. But then you have women who call them losers for not getting sex. But then you have these guys go back and say, oh, these women who have a lot of sex are fucking whores, right? Who are losers. So you have, this is what I saw in the group chat, right? This group chat I met. I said that the internet is, is a dichotomy and the dichotomy is, um, all sex all the time or no sex, none of the time. Mm-hmm. 
So the dichotomy is incel to OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> like those are the two like, things of the internet. You either are a person who can acquire sex easily, who sells sex at a premium, right? Or you're a person who cannot get sex. So you're either a person who has a lot of social capital in their sexual appeal, or you're a person who has zero social capital in their sexual appeal. So when uh, again, when these guys are in this like sphere and they say like we're fucking losers, we've been losers all of our lives, and then you have women who kind of confirm this for them in their own spheres, then there's this radicalization process that starts to begin. It's like okay, well, you know, fucking that's how you. Okay, I'm not gonna say. I was gonna say it's kind of like how you get like an Elliot Rogers type, right? Like you're in this echo chamber, you you hear these things that go back at you. You already have depression, so you're already in this like mindset. And then you go, okay, well, I, I want to die anyway, so might as well suicide by cop, but let's take out the people who I think are the problem anyway. Yeah. Um, um, so, so, one thing, one thing that's interesting, interesting Michael, I'm, I'm here, Michael. echo. What? I'm here, Michael. I'm here, my echo. Oh, okay. Um, uh, that's better. That's better. Okay, so what I was going to ask Matt is, why do you think that being an incel is almost exclusively male that obviously there are women out there who don't have sex and would fit maybe some of the king same categories that an incel would, but they don't respond in the same way that men do to those circumstances. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, so, so there's a couple of things like I, I will say about this. The first one is that like, on the incel community, there's a thing called fem cells, right? And it's female incel. And fem cells are what they consider fake cells. So I'm giving a crash course, <laughs> I'm giving a, I'm giving a crash course in, in incel uh, fucking terminology. But fake cells are obviously what it sounds like. It's fake incels. So, um, for instance, right, like, um, uh, I, you know, all of us, I don't know if we're all, are, are we all, Josh, how tall are you? I'm 5'11". 5'11". Okay, so maybe not... T Call. how tall are you? Around the same. You're 5'11"? We're 5'10", 5'11". Like yeah, yeah, I didn't know I was, I'm the only six-foot guy. Anyway, so I would be considered a fake cell because I'm six-foot white, right? There's people... Uh, so people would call me a fake cell. So, fem cell, so all fem cells in, in most incels' minds are fake cells. Anyway, all is that to say, yes, there are females who are incels who don't receive sex right mm -hmm. um we have this we have a, a, a two we have a, a, a couple a couple problems here right in terms of that the first one is that they don't react to guys in the same like they, they don't react the same way that incel like guys do because culturally speaking guys who don't have sex are viewed differently than girls who don't have sex right right it's so like the virgin madonna thing like there is like yeah, a so, yeah. So a girl who doesn't have sex is is it's a virtue for her not to have sex, right? For a guy who doesn't have sex, he's a loser. And it's it's the other way around. For a woman who has a lot of sex, she's a whore, and for a guy who has a lot of sex, it's like, wow, that's awesome, dude. Like you're a fucking dude, yeah. bro. Right? In certain circles. I'm, t I'm t all of this is broadly speaking. I'm just talking about the incels like community in terms of the internet. The other thing about themselves is I don't I don't want to say this with a hundred percent like certainty, but like 
No, 100% certain. I'm, I'm using a couple asterisks after this, right? <laughs> is statistically speaking easier for women to acquire sex than it is for men? In I terms of the, the terminology, acquire sex, running, well, well, acquire sex. No, I'll tell you why I use that terminology. Okay. Because sex is a commodity in a capitalist okay. society. It's a social commodity, right? And so what happens is, look at look at how dating, look at any dating site. And I, again, like I, I tell fucking all the time, like I've fucking went deep dive into this stuff. Sex is and dating is talked about like it is a marketplace, the sexual marketplace. Yeah. Right? They say you bring something to the sexual marketplace, you you sell your goods on the sexual marketplace and people will either buy them or they won't. Right? Cuz we think in this we think in a capitalist mindset. So everything's a marketplace in our in our minds. Well, sex is the same way. We we even boil down our personal relations to it to to this marketplace logic. In terms of if you look at the, the the metadata of dating websites, and I mean you can talk about this anecdotally too, but if you look at the metadata of dating sites when they release their data, it statistically speaking is easier for like lower quote unquote I'm using big air quotes here quality yeah. women the women who are rated lower by the majority of male users in terms of looks, it's easier for them to acquire matches, dates, and then after-date sex than it is for men of a lower quality or even men of a higher quality. So what happens is a lot of times these female incels are called fake cells because what the incels talk about is that they it's not that they can't have sex. It's that they're not having sex with, quote, Chad. There's another terminology for you, Chad or Tyrone or whoever. So Chad's <laughs> Chad, to make it racist, Tyrone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember that. There's like an Asian one too, and I can't remember. Oh, so yeah, so like you know, um, so 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 Chad and Tyrone, like it, it, like what they call okay. So so fem cells are Stacys, right? So Stacys yeah. are these average girls. <laughs> is mm. essentially what it is, right? So I forgot what the, the the main girl is. So there's like the big top tier girl who's like a supermodel level, and then there's Stacy's who's like everyday girls, right? Stacy's go after Chad's and Tyrone's, but they won't fuck an incel, right? Yeah. Whereas a Chad is more willing to go with a Stacy. right? So that's that's the that's the perceit that's the perception among these communities. And if you, again, like the, the the thing that I was saying is like, why do they act differently? I think it's because one men and women are just just as a gender binary. If we're do if we're doing that, they're socialized differently, right? Into to where like what's more culturally or socially acceptable. But the the biggest thing about it is is that like I do believe that there is this confirmation bias within these communities where women who are in, in cells don't believe themselves to be on the same level as guys who are in cells and they don't react the same way because they have this, like you have data, you have anecdotal evidence, you have whatever they could, if they so 
choose to do it, they could probably get somebody, but it's just like their, their preferences is what I would like to say. But for guys, it's that not even preferences, they could have like the lowest standards ever and feel like they're lowering their standards and still not get anybody culturally speaking. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, the, the, the whole mindset I find um, is like, I, I guess coming at it from like, I mean, do they, do you like, I guess I would try to like impugn upon like, do you not realize how like sex can be like very bad? Like it, you could do it and it could be like something that's like, especially if it's like when these women, it's like, well, you can fuck. It's like, well, yeah, but like, what do you think that experience is like? Well, like, the, the grass, like how, yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's true. Not only that, but there's also this, okay, here, here's my biggest thing, right? There's this intense loneliness that's been happening forever in our society. It's, it will constantly happen. It's because we're alienated uh, to the nth degree. So there's this intense loneliness, even when you're with somebody. I mean, I've talked to people who say this too, like, hey, you know, getting a girlfriend or getting a boyfriend or whatever isn't going to solve your, your loneliness. You're, you're still going to feel like a certain way. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're depressed and you're going into a relationship, you'll still be depressed. You'll just be in a relationship. And if and I experienced this in one of my first relationships, is if if you go into a relationship and you don't know how to like handle your depression, it it often having someone else there to remind you of it can make it worse, and you just make someone else miserable in the meantime. So yeah, to your point, it's not a cure all. It's not like it fixes anything. Right. And, but the thing about it is the reason why it's so coveted is because we have this intense loneliness in society and these guys haven't experienced like a, any type of like a intimacy. Right. So they covet this like intimacy that they have with, with a, with a woman of, you know, whatever variety that they want or imagine. Mm-hmm. And then you have, um, you have this perception that, okay, I, I've never had it. So I will never have it. And we don't normalize, like, being a virgin at fucking, you know, it's not normal being a virgin at, like, 21. If you're, like, 21, like, it's over for you is what they think, um, which isn't, I mean, it's not true. I mean, you can, it's, yeah. it can always happen for anybody, you know, that's, I mean, that's I was, yeah, I was gonna say, I was 25, like, like it happened. Uh, every night before I go to sleep and put the gun in my mouth and you know listen you could be 31 a lot of trouble and then the next you is like you want a finger yeah yeah I just yeah I think a lot call me the fucking incel whisperer dude like (laughs) I'm super plugged into the incel scene (laughs) um like part of me is like like it's hard I feel like for, you know, like my sort of awareness of the community is like you do sort of like before I have like before anyone has like the, the tools to analyze it. It's like there is that like reaction of like of th- of like thinking them as like lower or like worthy of derision or like other like it, it's, you know, it's I feel like it is hard to get past that first bit while you can still like because to me it's like. Uh, part of me is like this would be so be so much easier if yeah we didn't have like a live in an atomized society that the conditions produce these people, um, but also that if we just like 
if it was communicated that it's okay to like just not have this. It's it's okay. Does it make you any lesser or worse off or like it, it's it's fine. It's you could be a virgin until you're like 45. It's fine. But that doesn't exist, so it just incubates these sorts of like these mindsets. Um, but another thing too is like we talk we can talk about this marketplace, we can talk about this reality as it is. I I find it like frustrating to be like it doesn't matter like what you what you think someone should go for. It doesn't matter if you perceive someone as like a great value version of a woman. Like there's no there's, no one's obligated to fuck anyone else. Like it's it's just stop thinking of it in that way. But then again, it's like hard not to considering that it is it is like like what capitalism does to most things. It turns things into commodities, into like, like, like consumption, like, um, even sort of like interactions like sex, uh, have this process happen to it as well. I wonder, I wonder it would be interesting to look back, like, 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 like right you know, when the internet was emerging. I'm getting bad echo on you, Josh. What? what? I'm getting really bad echo on you. Yeah, it's from yeah, Coles. Do that way. Do that way. Call me your fucking mic, dude. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, I have to respond at any moment. I have to keep. I have to talk. I have to talk. Um, no. Okay. Um, what I was gonna say is, it would be interesting to see because, like, you know, the concept of an incel is a pretty new thing, but it would be interesting to take a look back, like early '90s. The, obviously the people that would have been in cells existed, you know? Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to see what those communities look like then. You say philosophers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just all yeah. philosophers are in cells. I didn't know this, but fucking Kant, uh, Kant and Nietzsche are both, uh, both were both in cells. Uh, that, that's really? pretty interesting. Yeah, a lot of the German philosophers were in cells. Heimel, on the other hand, that man was fucking like that man. He had a child at a wedlock. Yeah, <laughs> he fucked his landlady. Hey, you know, gotta pay the rent somehow. But yeah, that's yeah. It is. It, it would be interesting. That that is um something that you did bring up. Like it's it's kind of a hard phenomenon to explain the post. It's it's literally post. It's called the post nineties incel boom. Yeah, because yeah. you would look and you wouldn't like you didn't hear about people shooting up Walmarts or killing the roommates because of inceldom, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a very unique thing to our generation. It seems like, uh-huh. so, um, yeah. It's it, it's, but again, I think that's the problem with stigmatizing inceldom is, um, when the, when people hear incel, they, they go to the mass shooter. Like that's the thing they think of. Yeah, Elliot Rogers is definitely the the stereotypical archetype of the incel, right? And that has to be damaging to be like to for for someone who is an incel to maybe not be okay with even uh, saying that to somebody, you know, like in more or less words, and not getting judged for that by every single person, or just the idea that they would be judged for saying, "Hey, I'm an incel," or whatever. Yeah, or or just you know having this perception of like uh, 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 that's the thing like you know it's kind of it's kind of the job of um it's kind of the job of um like a feminist uh, thought 
which is to to kind of break this uh, you know virgin whore dichotomy. Yeah. But it's also it's also you know this this thing that I, I think that we should seriously look into, which is to break this um to break this uh this pre like this fucking obsession that I was saying like the internet has with sex, right? Like it's mm-hmm. once the internet, the, the internet is so obsessed with sex because it's constantly thrown at you through whether it's through porn or whether even on like fucking Twitter, when you have like these e-girls who are posting like nudes or whatever and have their only fans, it's like, whatever, post pictures of yourself if you want to. But at the same time, like it isn't helping anybody to not think about sex 24 seven. And when yeah, that's something that the- is the internet is just an incredibly horny place. And so that's one of the interesting th- interesting things is to look at to see how horny the internet is, but how little actual gratif- uh, satisfaction or gratification comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have, I mean, again, like I said, the grass is always greener. You know, you have these, mm-hmm. you have these uh, e-girls who are like, why can't I find like the perfect boyfriend or whatever? And then you have like incel. And I've, I've actually had this thought process, which I, I would, Tell everybody if you're listening, which I, I don't, you know, all three of our listeners, but <laughs> if you're listening and you've gotten this far and you have this thought process, please try to change it and, and realize yeah. that this isn't correct. It's depression. You're depressed. It's fine. Go get medication. Go do something. Just figure something. Talk to anybody, like literally. But the thing about it, like the, the cyclical thing is that you have this like, you have this anger, you have this residual anger because you get, you get mad because what happens is you see these women and you perceive in your mind that they have it made because they can acquire sex at any time from, from me, from pretty good guys or from pretty good looking guys or whatever. And then they're like sitting there bitching about not having a boyfriend or whatever. And then you have guys who will fucking take anything or fuck anything and they can't get it. Right. So you have this like anger that builds up and, and from again, from personal experience, I know dudes rock everything. We, we love to be ironic, but I'm going to be sincere for a minute. You have to break out of that cycle somehow because it's yeah. not it's not them and it's not you. You have to realize this. The thing the reason it, it's not your fault that it's not your fault that you are in this predicament and it's not their fault that you're in this predicament this yeah. quote-unquote predicament it's you're fine everything's fine like don't get angry at these people for for you perceiving that they have something you don't trust me they're just as alienated as you but in a completely yes, different way in a different way yeah and um yeah it, yeah exactly it's it's you your control over this situation you have agency in sort of how you can respond to the predicament, right. And choosing to, um, yeah, it's just like, let go of the anger, let go of the resentment because yeah, like, like women are cool, man. Like if you like too, it's like if you, and if you have like positive relationships with women in your life, um, if those exist then like, think of those when you're having this sort of like, yeah, this depressed fugue, this where you're passing judgment on an entire section of the population. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's you know, you, you you can control your responses to things and breaking yeah, breaking out of it is like the most important bit, but that's also the very the hardest bit. Um 
Right. And, it's easier. Yeah. To, it's easier said than done. You know, it's yeah. just literally. Um, you know, it's it's you know, people tell you to go work out. It, you know, don't fucking listen to people who just go, oh, just go lift weights, bro. Or yeah, because because that's still yeah, and that's still like considering this as a issue of not of trying to procure sex. Yeah, like telling them to just do these things and and you'll get it. That's still perceiving this as that issue, and then when that doesn't happen. It's more like stop worrying about this and like, trust me, you will, even if you find yourself not getting like this thing you want, like it's the, like make it unimportant and then you will feel better. Just go, just go, listen, go down to Brazil. I've been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan recently. Go down to Brazil, Joe Rogan and, and Graham Hancock. I've been getting really into spiritualism. Go down to Brazil, do the the, the two week five trip ayahuasca sessions. Meet God, talk to God, and discover what's going on. You know, so yeah. There you go. Like, put your dick my, in love with the bullet ants. Like, and Matt, why, I thought because of ninety day fiance, I thought you were going in a totally opposite oh, direction. Yeah. I think you're gonna say <laughs> like import your, import women. your yeah. women because American women are bitches. Yeah, it's le- totally like it's yes, just different women. Uh, let's do some race science, but for like sex. Yeah, listen, just, get a get a girl from the jungle, from the heartland of Brazil. She only speaks Portuguese, and you oh, only speak oh. English. Yeah, oh, it oh. doesn't matter. You will get laid. Yes. Karini, Paul, oh, Karini, my and you will girl. you will inspire so much hatred for being like the like weak willed spineless man you are. But you will you'll get it. You know, you'll you'll at least get it once, and then you'll have a baby right after. So enjoy that. Um, I, I want to say like very last thing is what I want to say on the whole issue. Right? There's well, I guess two technically two things but these are the last two things i want to say the first one is that i want to add an asterisk to all my statements previously to say that i do not condone and i do not agree with the ideology of inseldom i wanted to state that (laughs) for the record just to say that i i don't necessarily agree with it at the same time i don't disagree with them when they talk about how there are a, a lot of like mean shit that happens to them. Right. I don't disagree with this. And also when they, you know, when, when they say these things, like when they, when they have these experiences, I think that they should have a space to where they can like talk about them and in a, in a productive construct, right, in a productive constructive way, yeah. manner. So just all of that being said, Right. Big fucking asterisks. Again, um, incel guys, guys who are incels or even stem cells or whatever, they're not like monsters. <laughs> they're people who are alienated that deserve a certain level of compassion. Right. They don't deserve right. mutual sexual aid or whatever the or fuck. Or like to be, have city. all their shit like wiped away or treated as children with no agency. But yeah. And they're um, not, they're not people who you should call losers or whatever. Right. Cause they're just people going through life. But at the same time, I do not condone this attitude. Cause like you said, Cole, you know, this is a dude's rock advocate podcast, but like you said, women are pretty fucking cool. 
when you sit yeah. down and talk to them, they're pretty fucking cool people. They have a lot of insights that you don't or, you know, your bros don't or whatever. And they're really nice to talk to and they're not fucking objects to be bartered with. Even though the dominant capitalist ideology would tell you differently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, those are my yeah. qualifying statements. The end. Right. Goodbye. Well, good pod, guys. Yeah, great pods. <laughs>